I'm Monica Kelly with Closer Look. Dr. Margie McComb, she's got an undergraduate degree in elementary and special education. She's got a master's degree in Christian counseling and a PhD in education and has recently written a healing resource for children ages 7 to 12 called Peace Be Still, A Family Guide to Living in Crazy Days. It's good to have you. Thank you. It's nice to be with you. Obviously, we're living in unprecedented times. What are some of the challenges that young people are facing? Oh, my goodness. Think of all of the challenges that we as adults are facing. (laughs) We're all exhausted with it. The collective uh, fatigue and grief and fear and despair and discouragement that we're all feeling is also felt by every child. They are living with uh, adults who feel that way. They see and hear everything that's going on. They're taking their emotional cues from the adults in their lives. And we need to be really careful to understand that they are enduring exactly the same thing. Julie Lowe, she's a faculty member at CCEF, Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. She's also a licensed professional counselor with nearly 20 years of experience. And Julie Lowe is the author of Childproof, as well as her latest book, Building Bridges, Biblical Counseling Activities for Children and Teens. Julie, it's good to have you. Thank you so much for having me. So we are definitely in an interesting time in history. Yeah, well... You're right. Unprecedented times with a unprecedented amount of anxiety and stress Um, and social media, media, news, political unrest, all these things that once kids were mostly sheltered from, but now they are seeing 24 hours a day, as well as just the uh, pressures of typical teenage years and childhood years. So you're seeing a whole gamut of of struggles, but a lot of anxiety. Dr. Margie McCombs, you uh, serve as a children and teen specialist for the American Bible Society's Trauma Healing. Tell us about how children's behavior will show up during times like these. Their stuff comes out as behavior. Uh, They don't articulate it in the same way, many of them, that we do. But we have to look at their behavior and figure out what's going on with them. I think every parent sees exactly how their their kids show this stuff. They show it in isolation. They show it in being irritable. They have meltdowns. They're crying. They're angry. They tend to be more selfish. They tend to try to control things around them because so many other things in their lives are out of control. Uh, So we see it in a lot of ways. And, of course, different temperaments respond to it differently. And we know that children show their temperaments fairly early in their lives. So parents need to be students of their kids. They need to understand them, listen to them, acknowledge their loss. That's a good point, especially acknowledging their loss. Because I think as parents, sometimes we see our children acting out and we want to fix that, fix that moment instead of acknowledging what's really going on. That's right. And getting kids to be able to articulate that, that's one of the features of the Peace Be Still piece is that we have them take a loss inventory. We have them talk about what they have lost. We have them talk about what they still have. We try to focus on what they have, but also on what they have lost and having them name that and then helping them understand that it's okay to be sad. I mean, when you lose something, you grieve and it's okay. Grieving is actually an act of courage. Uh, It's okay to do that. And add to all of that, so many children, so many young people are doing distance learning. They're not interacting with their peers in the same way. You're right. And um, just struggling figuring out how to navigate that. 
ahead and, and doing online school while also being online a majority of their day anyway. So what are children and young people, teenagers doing to cope? I think what they do and and what their parents encourage them to do probably are the big questions, right? So we see that without any loving guidance, kids, uh, they try to figure life out on their own. They try to find ways of escaping things that are hard or escaping into things that are pleasurable, whether that's reading or video games or movie or friendships. Um, and so there's human nature, right? We're always trying to find a way of coping with things that are hard for us or avoiding things that are hard for us. So this is where parents and loving adults really are important that they come in and they they have something helpful to say to kids that they're intentional in building relationships and building bridges with them and engaging them to really draw kids out. But that takes conscience kind of intentional conversation with them. So Peace Be Still is just, uh, it's a tool that parents can use that will help them get into those conversations, that will help them talk about what they're worried about. There's a worry box, so write down your worry, let's put it in a box, and then later on, we after a story and, and an acting out and so on, then we take that box to the cross, we take it to the Lord, Jesus, and we say, he says, peace be still. So we use the story of, uh, of Jesus in the boat with the disciples. And so many of the emotional uh, fear that we're all feeling uh, is like a storm. It's like a big storm. And we have to understand that Jesus is in the storm with us. And he can say, peace be still to our hearts. I'm Monica Kelly with Closer Look, Dr. Margie McCombs. She's got an undergraduate degree in elementary and special education. She's got a master's degree in Christian counseling and a PhD in education. I know there are parents listening right now and they're going to say, I want a copy of Peace Be Still, a Family Guide to Living in Crazy Days. How can they get that? They can visit disasterrelief.bible. Disasterrelief is all one word no spaces, dot Bible. And when you get to that landing page, you're going to click on uh, where it says Beyond Disaster, which is an adult disaster response piece that we've been using with healing groups with adults around the world, uh, translated into many, many different languages. Anyway, you click on Beyond Disaster, you scroll down to Resources for Small Groups, and then you scroll down till you find Peace Be Still. Also, I want to tell you about another resource that's also there that you will see, and this is primarily for teens because parents also have teens that are trying to deal with school and with uh, peers and all of this. Um, and so there's a resource there called Unstuck um, because we find that many of our teens right now are feeling stuck. They're stuck at home. They're stuck in their plans. They didn't don't know if they're what, what they're doing in school. They feel stuck. This is a resource called Unstuck, which is um, great. It's a self-guided journal that the teens can go through themselves, or it's also designed for youth ministry people or parents to go through it with their teens. They can go online or whatever. You can just check it out. It's really, it's a great resource and you don't need any training. You don't need any certification to use these two pieces. You just download them for free and use them. 
Julie Lowe. She is a Christian counselor. She's also a faculty member at CCEF, Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. And she has just written a book, Building Bridges, Biblical Counseling Activities for Children and Teens. Julie, how is counseling different with children versus adults? It requires thinking of them as a puzzle and trying to figure out where they're at developmentally and emotionally and temperamentally um, and really being an expert at knowing the child in front of you. And that's what I say in my book, Child Proof, to parents that you're really your child's wise counselors. The struggles that children face are very much similar to the struggles adults face. You know, human nature is the same. What is different is where they're at developmentally and the maturity and the need for wise people speaking into our young people's lives. Um, And that's a deep concern of mine that teens are raising teens, children are raising children. They're becoming each other's influencers more and more. And adult, godly, loving adults are being uh, nudged out of the picture uh, in ways that make that irrelevant. And so I really want to encourage parents and youth group leaders and mentors to really press in and say, we want to build bridges. We want to build relationship. We want to have a voice and an influence in the lives of young people in a way that points them to the Lord. Can you give us some examples of ways to build bridges with our children? Well, there's all kinds of really creative ways. So Proverbs 20 talks about the heart is like deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. So I want to be thoughtful, whether it's my own child or a child I'm working with, to say, how do I get to know them well? How do I draw out their inner world and what they're thinking and how they see life around them and how they view themselves and their family and their relationships? And so you take an activity and there there are some really good resources in there. You can take books, you can take puppets, you can take miniatures and tell them to, to give you a picture of their world and how they see the people around them. And then for older kids, just getting them to talk about their relationships and how close they feel to people and and using technology like YouTube and videos and music to really draw teenagers out and for them to express their heart and their values and, and how they see the world around them. So depending on where kids are, young people are developmentally, really depends on how you adapt resources to draw them out. But the principle behind that is love pursues. Love pursues young people, and it says that we are responsible for uh, fostering, nurturing, discipling the next generation in the things of the Lord. With teens, listen to them. Listen. Listen to them. I know that sounds so, ah, sounds so simple. It's not so simple. Uh, but it can be. It, it, it has to do with establishing and sustaining a relationship with your teens where they feel safe enough and they trust you enough with their truth. And so listening to them and offering space for them to do that comes also at the cost of what? Spending time with them, playing with them, planting a garden with them, cooking with them, reading with them, watching TV with them, doing things with them that you're spending time that is not a time for instruction. It's not time for uh, correcting. It's not time for, as I say, changing the furniture in their hearts. It's not time for that. It's just time for spending time with them so that they know that you truly love them and care about what they're feeling. Spending that time with our teenagers and not correcting them, but just letting them be. You're listening to them. You're getting them to acknowledge their losses as well. You're getting them to learn how to regulate their emotions. This is what the unstuck material is is about. 
it's really, really important. It helps them understand what loss is, what grief is, what the journey of grief is, what the stages of grief are, so that they can go through on their own and understand the terrain of their own hearts. And they're doing that in a safe space with people that they know they love. Teens need to ask questions. Developmentally, they need to ask questions. And so often we don't take the time to listen to their questions or we, without meaning to, scoff at their questions and it, so it shuts them down. We need to let them know that anything is on the table. We can talk about anything and that's really a safe thing to do. That'll help them a lot. We don't, we don't need to manage them. Yeah, exactly. And all the books say that. You know, just just choose your battles, you know, first things first. So it's, well, what if it's pink hair? It's okay. Mm. So one of the greatest things, either for children or for teens, the best thing I think that parents can do for their children is to take care of themselves. It's like when you get on a plane and they're doing the safety protocol and they're saying, okay, when you, when you see masks fall down, put your mask on first and before you help somebody else. It's the same principle. With children, children need to know that their parents are okay. And that doesn't mean you need to engage in false optimism and everything is just cheery and Pollyanna. No, no. You can be honest about your feelings. You can acknowledge your own losses. You can say, I'm really frustrated right now. Uh, I don't like the way this feels. You're schooling. I don't even know how to help you with the schooling. Oh, it's going, it's making me crazy. But let's learn this together. Let's do this. Let's figure this out. And who do you think we could ask for some help here? So engage in life with them and not at them. You know, under uh, just be underneath them and and just help them know that that. You're human, just like they are, and you're feeling some crazy stuff too. But uh, acknowledging that together, I think, really builds, really builds relationship. I'm Monica Kelly with Closer Look. What happens when a parent has a teenager and the, and the teenager's just not wanting to talk? What do you do in those types of situations? That's always uh, fun for, for counselors or for youth leaders, ministers who have a resistant teenager, somebody doesn't want to talk. And the hard thing is, you know, kids and teens are often brought to talk to somebody against their own will, right? Um, so they already feel resistant, frustrated, angry. And here's where persevering love, which just really takes its time. You, you are non-threatening. You let them express how annoyed or frustrated they are that they even have to talk. And then um, going back to the child of book, I look to build bridges. Where, where can I get them to engage in me? And, and where will they tell me about the things they like or their hobbies or their relationships or how frustrated they are with their parents? Their parents are making them be here. And sometimes I'll come alongside them and say, okay, well, help me understand why you don't need to talk or help me understand what, what your parents aren't understanding about you. And and I'll often say to a teenager, I want to help your mom and dad learn to love you better too. What are ways they need to learn to love you better? And so what I'm doing is I'm really trying to respect and honor uh, where a child and teenager is coming from as well by listening well to them, by, by showing genuine care and concern. And then the skill is looking for open doors into their life to get them talking and communicating. I bet that works really well for a counselor. What about for a parent? who's been met with this wall with their child? 
there's something going on, the child's stressed out. What can you tell a parent that they can do to engage their child? That's where I love working with parents because I love to brainstorm with a parent. And parents have this unique perspective that comes with years of watching their child, these little moments where they see what makes their child happy or what frustrates them, or they read their facial expressions. So things that could take me as a counselor months to figure out. Parents intuitively know, but they forget that they know those things. And it takes somebody slowing down and helping them helping draw out what they already know about their kids, but then encouraging them not to grow weary in doing good, that if they pursue their kids and they keep showing love and grace and encouragement and they they move towards their kids, no matter how many times we feel rejected by our kids, am I still willing to love them and listen to them and ask them questions? And, and that's, that's just persevering love where no matter how much they reject me, I'm still going to try to build bridges with them and move towards them and look for creative ways to engage them. And so that's where I brainstorm with parents and say, tell me what their hobbies are. Tell me when they're most soft and receptive and willing to talk during the day. And what are places where you've had success? And we try to build bridges that way, getting them to think through places where they can most easily connect with their kids and find out what's going on inside. And but that's where sometimes it's really helpful to bring in a mentor or a youth pastor or a counselor to help build those bridges as well when parents are feeling stuck. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned having the parent think about when they connect the best with their children. And sometimes your child wants to speak to you at night in, instead of going to bed, for example. And then, yeah, sometimes parents are like, just go to bed. Is it important that parents connect during those times? Absolutely. You're, you know, that makes me laugh because it's so true. And my own kids, I'm exhausted and tired at night and I am ready for the night to end and I'm ready for my brain to shut off as well. But those are often key moments where where kids are just, they're, they're free thinking and not just kids, teens as well. And if we are willing to take an extra half an hour, hour and just sit around and talk with our kids and make sure electronics are shut off or the TV's off. So moments where as a, an adult, I might be most tempted to want to sit back and relax and kick up my feet are the moments I could possibly be, be missing prime times of talking with my young people or just entering into their room at night and sitting down on the edge of their bed and chatting with them and, um, and just meeting them where they're at in their own room on their own turf. Those things, I think we can't, we can't give enough weight to how meaningful those moments could be if we're willing to do them. I'm Monica Kelly with Closer Look. Julie Lowe, she is a faculty member at CCEF. Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. She's also a licensed professional counselor with 20 years of experience. And Julie is the author of Child Proof, as well as her latest book, Building Bridges, Biblical Counseling Activities for Children and Teens. And Julie, uh, you know, different parts of the country are in different phases with regards to COVID-19. But have you noticed an uptick in counseling appointments during this time? Yes, definitely. And I think probably across the board, most counselors would say that that counseling and the need for counseling has certainly increased. And while people are in lockdown, they're, they're often in situations and family environments that maybe were, were never really healthy or uh, good to begin with, but then they're in this pressure cooker of relationships together. And so you see a lot of uh, relationship problems. Um, exploding or or growing deeper. 
Um, and then you see a lot of things that we mentioned before, a lot of anxiety and concern and, and unrest um, and stress going on. So much counseling is needed these days. What can families do who perhaps don't have access to counseling? How can they foster unity and peace in the family, especially when there are teenagers and children involved? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, the local church is always where where we want to encourage people to go, right? Because that's that should be our community. But then you have a, a time when even the church body is not meeting live. And it speaks again to the need for parents and children to be building closer relationships. And we joke in our home, we have something called forced family fun. Um, which means like I'll, I'll make everybody get in the car and we'll go for a hike together or we'll walk a dog. And what starts out with potentially everybody or a couple of kids moaning and groaning about what we're doing usually ends up being really enjoyable by the end of it. Um, or making them all sit down to play a board game or shutting off the TV and everybody's sitting outside by a fire. And inevitably somebody's unhappy with it and somebody's grumbling about not being able to do it, which is why we like to joke and say, come on guys, forced family fun. Um, but what we have found is when we really, as adults, when we, when we take the role of making it enjoyable and really delighting and being with our kids, they feel a delight in them. They feel like, wow, they enjoy being with me and it ends up being a really a pleasant, enjoyable time with them. And I'm sure you're making memories. Yeah, that is the goal. Now, there's occasionally kids and families where they say, Julie, I've tried that, and it just ended horrifically. And everybody was miserable and arguing by the end of it. And that's why I say, yep, that might be the case for a couple of times, but don't grow weary in doing good. That if we love our kids and we really are moving towards them and we're long-suffering and we're willing to do the hard work, we've got to believe that the Lord's going to honor that. That is such an important statement to not give up, to keep trying, especially if you're moving from a dysfunctional family model into something that functions well under God's grace, there's going to be probably a time of adjustment. It's never too late either. So it's no matter where families are at, no matter how, what difficulties going on or relational conflicts going on, anytime you seek to love somebody, it's never too late. It might be hard building bridges, but it's never, ever too late to do so. Thank you again, Julie Lowe. I appreciate you being on Closer Look today. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Margie McCombs, you have written a pandemic-specific resource for children ages 7 to 12, Peace Be Still, A Family Guide to Living in Crazy Days. Tell us again your website and how people can find that. Uh, that is at disasterrelief.bible. Disasterrelief, one word, dot Bible. And that's where you will find Peace Be Still for kids 7 to 12 and then Unstuck for anywhere from 12, 13, 14, depends on how mature your child is, to all the way to 17, 18 years old. Now, you are a consultant specifically for trauma healing. So how does the Bible play into the process of healing? You know, God, God gave us three great gifts. When Jesus left, he left us three great gifts, his word, his people, and his spirit. When we have this precious word of God, we know as ancient a text as it is, it carries the eternal and life-giving words of hope and healing for us all. And when we do that together, either by ourselves, but also together with other people, with other believers, and we're connected as the body of Christ through his spirit, that is a 
powerful alchemy. That is a powerful thing that is going to heal. It's going to heal us. So many people who are in trauma, who are living in ongoing trauma, and who have been traumatized, have isolated themselves. They feel very, very lonely. They feel alone in their trauma because, and especially children, because they don't feel like they don't have the, 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 the long view of history. They don't have an adult view perspective. So they may feel maybe I'm the only one who's ever been abused. Maybe I'm the only one that this has ever happened to. And it must be my fault. So they are self-isolating. They don't know. We need to bring them to principles of what I call principles of well-being, which is help them make the world make sense again. Because when you're traumatized, all of a sudden the world doesn't make sense anymore. Help them know that justice is available. Because when you're traumatized, you think, well, that's not fair. There's no justice in the world. I Help them know that they are people of value. Because when you're traumatized, you don't feel like you're important. You lose your self-concept and so self-value. So bringing them through trauma healing back to a place, maybe for the first time, or restoring to them the idea, the understanding that the world does make sense, especially when it's interpreted through a matrix of faith. Even young children can have a vibrant relationship with God. And so helping them know that the world does make sense, that God is a just God, that ultimately he is just and he will, he will make things right. He will make all things right. And they are specially created and designed by a loving creator. So they do have value. They have value because they are created by God. So our our curriculum uses stories and games and activities and fun and art and music and all of those experiential aspects um, so that they can start healing from all of that. Find a healing group. This is what I would urge parents to do because since they're online, they can be, you can be living anywhere. If you have good internet, you can join a healing group online that is about, it takes about five or six sessions to go through. It's not uh, super long. Uh, it's not hard, but it is really, really helpful for emotional healing. Dr. Margie, what is one piece of advice that you can give parents during this time? Oh boy. Uh, wow. Let me just talk to parents. I know because I'm a parent, I raised five kids and I didn't have to raise them in the middle of COVID, but in some pretty crazy times. And there were many, many times when I felt like such a failure. There was nothing left of me. I didn't know I was at my, at my wit's end and I felt like such a failure. And I can only imagine that many of your listeners, many of the parents out there are feeling like a failure right now. You're expected to be all that there is for your kids, including not just parenting, but teaching. Maybe some of you are also trying to work at home and trying to do your job at home. Many of you are single parents. You know, you don't have a partner to share this load with. And so you're feeling like a failure. And I just want you to know that you're not that you're not, that you are enough because you have the Spirit of God in you who can instruct you and encourage you and bear the load with you. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, come learn from me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Yoke with him every single day. That's the only way 
you're going to get through this. It's the only way that I'm going to get through this. This is really hard. And so what I, the one thing that I would say is take care of yourself emotionally, spiritually, physically, so that you have the spiritual and emotional and physical capacity to do what you need to do to fill this role for your kids.